This is channel 253. In this episode of Gimme the Mic. Tacoma's got all the key elements. Tacoma's got resources and location and at right the right attitude. And the city, one of the best things about them is that they're just so creative in how they do things. So if you talk to them about things, a lot of people just don't take advantage of what the city of Tacoma has to offer. But we do. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Give me the mic. Give me the mic. Welcome back, everyone, to Give Me the Mic. I'm your host, Stan Wen from the Small City Startup, and I'm here to highlight hardworking entrepreneurs here in our community. I'll also be interviewing people in our community that are going to help your businesses grow. And today, I'm here with Gregory Dronkert from eFleet and Nate Tolbert from the Maritime Innovation Incubator, and he's the director down there. Welcome. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Stan. Thanks for having us. I'm Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah. Yeah, ditto. Love being here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And then for this portion, we'll start just talking to Greg about his business. And you are the president of eFleet. And what does eFleet do? Well, hey, Stan, thanks again for having us. eFleet is an advanced fleet services company. And what that means is we work on commercial fleets, but we're doing it with advanced vehicle technologies. And we'll get into that in a moment. But that's something we're really passionate about. Okay, well, let's get into it right now. Well, super. <laughs> so, so what you find is this technology is advancing, but people are having troubles embracing it. And so our business is all about making it accessible to users, to fleet users. Okay. And so just so I can grasp more about the business, it's uh, fleet vehicles, but how are they different? Yeah, so what you find is that the residential, the public vehicles are more and more available. So a commercial vehicle is less available right now. The kind of vehicle that you would go out and get, you'll find the dealers are providing, but fleet services right now, they're evolving. So they're not there yet. So a commercial fleet would be a small commercial operator. And they don't have access to vehicles like you or I do right now for the advanced vehicle technologies. So what we're doing is we're making this technology available to them today. Well, and specifically the electric technology, right? The Like being able to electrify, is that what you're trying to get at? Well, thanks, Nate. <laughs> I mean, there's really, when you think of advanced technologies, there's electric, connected, shared, and autonomous. And you're going to see over the next 10 years this huge wave, this huge volume of electric vehicle adoption happening. But for the commercial operators... There's these higher barriers for them right now. There's not a lot of folks that can work on this equipment. So the tech, the technology, the technicians don't exist. There'll be this big gap between the vehicles that are coming out and the folks that are able to actually service them. On the other side of that, you're also going to see that the infrastructure that's needed to work on this equipment, 
to maintain and to charge it can be confusing. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, the commercial operators are less likely to want to embrace it because what they have now they understand. Mm -hmm. And what's coming up is confusing. So what we're trying to do with our technicians is bridge the gap. I see. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. It was like a Tesla for the commercial fleet almost? Yeah, we're not manufacturers. Oh, so, okay. So there's a lot of technology out there that is being integrated into systems. And one of the things we're doing is we're actually converting vehicles to electric in our shop. Now, these are commercial light-duty vehicles, light and medium-duty. Today, you can't go buy that equipment. It's coming. And so as a transitional service, what we're doing is we're doing these conversions and we're making them available to commercial fleets right now. In another few years, the major manufacturers will be providing this equipment. But they aren't yet. So what we're doing is we're taking our subject matter expertise and our relationships with the supply chain and the supply chain being designers and manufacturers. And we're integrating that technology into solutions right now. And I know I keep saying solutions, but the point is, is that the technology's there. We're integrating it so that there's an, an operable solution that a fleet operator can use today, a vehicle. I see. And then they can have access to our capabilities to maintain those vehicles and set up the charging infrastructure for those vehicles. So that's the electric side of it that Nate just mentioned. Mm -hmm. When you talk about connected and shared, the idea of having that fleet available that multiple users could use the same equipment, that's this idea of shared technology with vehicles. Connected is the vehicle's ability to communicate with other vehicles and with optimization software solutions. So now this equipment can actually be optimized to run its route and communicate with other tasks within that entire ecosystem. So you can optimize the way your fleet operates. And then the thing that's kind of craziest that's coming and, and people can feel the way they do about it, but autonomous vehicles are on the way. Mm -hmm. And this idea is that the vehicles can drive themselves. It's a fairly complicated um, scenario, but in essence, the machines map are mapped into the domain where they operate. The machines think of themselves really as, a, as virtual. They're almost in a game, but they're in our reality. Yeah. Right? So... When you set the machines up, you map the entire environment that they're going to operate in, and they operate around certain predictable routes that they're going to operate, and the machines are learning to adopt to anomalies that occur in that environment. And that's this whole concept of machine learning. So the machines learn the difference between a paper bag and a dog running into the street, Whereas, and then they might also learn the difference of a branch that has grown into the street. Mm -hmm. And then they, they communicate with other vehicles within that fleet, with other machines in the fleet. That technology is coming. We're going to see it more and more in use. And certainly we're going to see it in the delivery segment of fleet operations here soon. In the, next, in the next five years, I think we'll see that kind of technology operating here in Tacoma. Wow, that's exciting. It's very exciting. And Greg, you have a lot of experience in this field. What other things have you done outside of eFleet? 
Well, so eFleet is focused on commercial fleets, as I mentioned, but really the core of what we do is we have an electric vehicle shop. We're the only electric vehicle shop that's independently owned here in Puget Sound. So we're excited about that. And we did that so that we could build up our subject matter expertise, so we could we could understand this technology. What you find is most shops are waiting to see what happens. They're waiting to make sure that there's enough demand to transition their existing operations over to electric or advanced. But we decided about five years ago that we were going to get into this space and really study it and understand it. That's put us in a position now which has us communicating with manufacturers that are looking for future support channel partners, right? A channel partner is someone that supports a major manufacturer or, or some kind of operating business. So they're looking for folks in our area, Puget Sound, that can service and maintain their fleets. And I mentioned that we're currently converting vehicles, these light and medium duty vehicles, but we don't plan to stay in that space. As the major manufacturers start bringing their products to market, we'll transition to the latest and greatest technology that's out there. And so we're growing with the technology as it grows right now. So that's the fleet um, electric vehicle shop that we have. We also, during COVID, started a electric delivery business. We had vehicles, we had employees, but things shut down pretty tight, if you remember, you know, over a year ago. And so what we did is we reached out to one of our local markets and we started doing deliveries really just on a volunteer basis to keep our team working. And when it became pretty clear that the, that the pandemic wasn't going away, you know, the lockdown was extended, we turned that into an actual business. And now with our electric fleet, we've done 75,000 bags worth of deliveries, some, wow. some 25 tons of emissions that have been eliminated by using our electric vehicles. And we're operating in King and Kitsap counties with that grocery chain and planning to expand here to Pierce County as well. Wow. So how many businesses do you have right now? Well, I'd say there's really three. <laughs> Nate, Nate's laughing, but, but there's, really, there's really three. And uh, so one's the automotive shop. It's, okay. called, it's called EV Works. That's a consumer brand. That, that is a, a, a consumer-facing brand. And that brand has, um, if you will, late model vehicle users coming in there, current vehicles, and then we do custom conversions, and that's where we do our fleet conversions. The, I already mentioned eFleet, which is fleet services company. And that's a, that's a startup. That's a launch. This is a concept that we've identified a need, and we're working in the incubator, and we're just thrilled to be in the Tacoma incubator, and we can get into that here in a moment. And then the third business is called PacWesty. That is an adventure travel company that is a company that rents camper vans out, and people can travel around the Pacific Northwest in those camper vans. We've, this is our fifth summer doing that business. Wow. And that company, we're operating the first all-electric camper van that you can rent in the United States. No one's done that yet. And so what ties all this together? What ties us all together is this idea of zero-emission transportation. Mm -hmm. Everything we're doing goes towards trying to accelerate the transition to zero-emission transportation. The other part of it, all of this is mobility. And mobility really is access. 
So access to goods or services or destinations that you desire. And a big driving focus for us is making mobility available to everybody. Well, I'll talk about something that isn't my business here in a little bit, but it would be the fourth business that I'm involved in. And we'll get to it, so this is a teaser. But, <laughs> but the idea really is that mobility access can push or pull. So you can deliver. That's still mobility. You're gaining access through a delivery, or you can go somewhere, and that's mobility. People always think of mobility as being able to just go drive somewhere. But mobility really is this confluence of all the modes. And in the future, what you're going to find is that we will move more seamlessly or without friction through various modes. And you'll be able to pay for them and schedule them with one device. We'll all be integrated. And that's, that's coming. So we're tracking this. This is fa- you know, fascinating stuff for us. Yeah, wow. You have a lot of credibility in this electric space and zero emission space. Word on the street has it that you built an electric ferry oh, and yeah. you did it for Alabama, not yeah. us. What's up with that? Yeah, that's interesting. So <laughs> you're probably going to get to the origin story of why we're doing this. And uh, my, so my background is in transportation and logistics, my whole career in, in engineering. And one of our projects with a maritime company that uh, I had started and then merged, and we went through a series of mergers that grew to be, it is now the biggest privately owned ferry operator in the United States. One of our clients was the uh, was Alabama DOT. And as we were doing a capital replacement project for them on one of their ferries, and we were explaining the long-term costs and what the benefits of these capital replacements would be, at the end of that meeting, we, uh, we shared with them a concept. Actually, the team that was with me in that meeting laughs because they said, you were just spitballing at that point of time. We were just, we just said, hey, you know, we could electrify this boat. And we, the, this is like the vehicle things I was just talking to you a moment ago. The technology is there. The pieces and components are all off the shelf. No one yet had integrated those into a ferry operation, into a ferry design. And we described this concept to the Department of Transportation in Alabama that we believe that the route and the duration, the distance, the size of the vessel, all were appropriate for for a conversion to electric. And to their credit, they let us do a study on that. It was favorable. We did it with a local architectural firm, with naval architectural firm, Gloucester Associates, which we have just absolutely uh, high regard for. And then we were able to identify a funding source through the Volkswagen Settlement Funds. We were able to get a grant for them, and we built what is still now the first all-electric car ferry in the United States, that got us thinking about how we could electrify other things, mm. which is really this what we're doing now. And we're trying to connect the modes. So that was a maritime mode. But if you could have electric buses or electric vehicles that can then integrate with the ferry, you have a mobility ecosystem. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a driving focus on this stuff. I like it. I like it. And do you want to get into that fourth business as well that you teased into? 
Yeah, well, I was going to save that till later, but uh, <laughs> we're we're involved in a project uh, of launching a cooperatively owned electric car share. And we're going to launch it here in Tacoma for a number of reasons, but the concept there is we don't own it. We're just helping stand this up. It's owned it's a co-op. It's owned by like REI or or Central Co-op here on Pearl Street, which is a which is a grocery co-op. The owners are the members, and they have direct access to the resources at preferential rates. And then they get benefits or dividends based on their usage, just like I'm using REI as an example. In this case, it would be additional miles. But the idea is to stage electric vehicles throughout a given area. So let's talk about Tacoma and have those vehicles available to users through a mobile app. This is fairly standard uh, technology, but those are integrating these elements of electric. Shared is this idea that you can make reservations, you can, you know, book your slot, it recognizes you as a user, and then connected is that the machines are communicating. So it's, it's advanced technology that we're putting to work here. And the benefits of something like this are that you make that mobility available to someone who might not otherwise have access to it. We're really focused on what you might think of as various areas of the community, the community that might be underserved with regard to transportation. So this would allow someone complete access to the transportation for the time that they need it and then turn it back. It's shared with another user. I think there's a lot of benefit from an environmental point of view, from a social point of view, and certainly from an efficiency point of view, because a smaller number of machines can do the work that hundreds or thousands are doing now. You can do it with a smaller pool of machines. So it makes a whole lot of sense just from a, a, an efficiency point of view. I see. That makes total sense. And so all these businesses sound like they cost a lot of money. How did you get the funding to start these businesses? Well, so we are self-funded. Oh, wow. Good. We're, we're self-funded, and so the term normally would be bootstrapping. Mm -hmm. And the funding for this came from, you know, we launched our maritime business years ago and grew that, and we were purchased by a large company. And that company is still a client of ours, but I chose not to stay with it. I was able to kind of take my chips off the table and then reinvest them in something I care about. So that was a national company, and we were doing things internationally. My focus now is really hyper-local. You know, Tacoma, the county, our region, we love the Olympic Peninsula. You know, the rural areas of Washington are, are important to me in that a lot of the solutions that will be feasible sooner in metropolitan areas will not be in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's important to focus on the rural areas because most firms that are purely driven for profit are going to high grade and on the fo focus on the areas where they'll be most viable quickest. That's why I think it's important as we think about the entire range of options for mobility that we really consider the rural areas. So, that, so to answer your question, we're self-funded, we're bootstrapping, we are going to do a round with our e-fleet. We think that's a business that uh, would be, is attractive to a larger audience, to a larger group, and, um, and will scale well just due, due to its fleet nature.
I see. So how do you plan on doing that round? Do you plan on doing like pitch events or reaching out to VCs? Yeah, we went through an accelerator with uh, Maritime Blue, which is the really the one of the hosting entities that the, the Art Tacoma incubator is under Maritime Blue. Mm-hmm. And although we have a certain amount of autonomy down here, and Nate can speak to that here in a moment. He's been so patient. Nate usually <laughs> gets to gets to chat, but but I'm I'm stepping on him here, and. Um, and so through the, ex- the original accelerator, we had the opportunity to reach out and be introduced to an investor network, which frankly, as an engineer and an operator all these years, we just never did that. Mm-hmm. We just we bootstrapped our first company, the Maritime Company, and then we went through a series of mergers. And so, yes, I mean, there's, a, there's an element of understanding what the environment for investors looks like. And actually, the quandary for us is finding the right partners, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think this is always the standard issue of, of who do you go with. And for us, one of the key driving f- elements to this is really this transition to zero emission transportation. Yeah. And as you do this, um, though you, I th- what we're finding is there are certain companies that are more interested in that. Also, this is transportation. So transportation companies will be particularly interested in it. You find a lot of the investment um, ecosystem is is familiar with high tech. And we're a little more brick and mortar in that we're via this vehicle services. On the other hand, we're using the latest tech that's available for the vehicles. So we're this interesting combination. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes, that we'd, we're going to do some, some pitch events. But really, we're more, we're more likely to reach out directly to investors that, that, that are, we've kind of targeted, if you will, that yeah. are a good fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's always an interesting, interesting endeavor, trying to get people to invest in your company. So it sounds like you've done a lot of great things, and you are a, a successful entrepreneur, what advice do you have for other aspiring entrepreneurs out here in our community? Yeah, what drives us is this combination of our, you know, having purpose and then making sure that we're that we have some that we have joy. So so my my advice is to make sure that you that you tend kind of you can call these things anything you want. You could put them in a bunch of different categories but for us it's this idea of serving and then making sure we're satisfied and so making sure you're striking that balance and and not letting one take over the other what you'll find is you you can get into some of these entrepreneur groups and I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur I've always just been a you know a business person I would never describe myself as an entrepreneur I do I think of my, I think of myself <laughs> as an engineer and um and we're 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 nuts and bolts kind of folks. Um, but, but the point is, you can get overtaken by this mission of trying to pitch your company or start your company. You got to make sure that you're doing it with balance and with joy. And on the other hand, you can't just be monkeying around all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So what for me, I get a lot of fulfillment when, when I'm fulfilling purpose. And for us right now to go full circle is, is our purpose is making mobility available to folks and doing it with zero emission. That's our, that's our purpose. 
and really trying to put it in areas of the community that need it the most. Yeah. And that gives us a lot of joy. And, and working with the, the technology is just fun. Mm-hmm. It's just really fun. And, and doing stuff in the shop with the crew when, we're, when you're figuring stuff out, we, it's, we have a really good time. Yeah. That sounds fun. And I think, for the record, we call you serial entrepreneur for starting multiple companies is uh, what you're often referred to as. Yeah, I just seen Nate's <laughs> get kind of laughing over there, but is that what they call it, Nate? No, I, I call it the lack of attention span. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to be doing the next big thing, right? <laughs> and do you have any book <clears throat> recommendations? Yeah, books are a funny one for me. Um, I, it, when I think of books that have influenced me the most, I think back to Built to Last, it's Jim Collins. It's mm-hmm. probably not current enough that, That's a great that, one. that people are familiar with it. But I love that. That talks about kind of these key themes that made companies great. And that and and that has that has been kind of like a key book for me as I think back. Another one I read, geez, I must have been in college, was The Seven Habits, Stephen Covey. And that's yeah. that's old school. I don't know how many people are familiar with that's that. That's another but, classic, yeah. But oh, yeah. gosh, I mean, you think of the elements in that, the the concepts of like, you know, reaching forward, right? Being making sure that you're got the end in mind, you know. So take the initiative, end in mind. These concepts of putting things in priority, in priority, um, win-win concept. The ideas of synergizing and making sure that you're understanding people before you're trying to communicate on top of them. And the, you know, the idea of kind of continuously sharpening the saw. Mm -hmm. Those are things that I don't like sit down and think about them as much as they're ingrained in me as habits. And that's why I really love that book because over time, those things have become habits for Mm -hmm. us. And we, so we try to build those into our business um, other books that I think of would be there was this whole fast forward series through um, the Harvard Business Review or Harvard Business Publications that had these great little mini books that spoke to things like f- financial systems, strategic planning, um, marketing. The, that whole series through Harvard Business was, is it Harvard Press, I think was probably what it is. Those fast forward books I always thought were great. Um, yeah, those are, those are, oh, well, mm-hmm. I mean, not a business book, but I always think of like Shackleton and, and that has had a lot to do with maybe my management style. And Lansing was the, was the author I think of. So he was on the voyage. It wasn't Shackleton writing that book, but Anybody that knows these stories, that was a South America, that was the Antarctic. It was a polar exploration. They got caught in the ice and they were out there for, you know, over a year. They finally, the boat gets crushed and (laughs) swallowed by the ice flow. They move into the lifeboats. They're living on, you know, on floating ice. Some of the guys jump into a lifeboat and they get their way to Elephant Island, which is in the middle of nowhere in the South Atlantic and they f- get to where there's one known whaling station, and they have to climb the mountains to get over to this little whaling station. And they were like ghosts coming out of the fog when the guys at the whaling station saw them. They went back. 
they found the guys on the ice, everybody survived. I mean, wow. this is a story of like keeping it together when shit's coming apart. Yeah, excuse, is that a excuse me? It's a podcast. <laughs> I guess I can say that. Is that a nonfiction book? No, that's tr- that is nonfiction. So wow. th- this is back when I don't you know, know that one. Oh yeah, so this is Shackleton, and he was one of the great polar explorers, like Perry or Scott, and and he was his whole gig. He was going to try to do a a cross continental trip across the Antarctica. Oh, wow. So amazing. And anyhow, they, in later days, and I didn't realize it when I read that book in, in high school, and I've read it several times since, but in, in later days, they've recently started talking about the management and the leadership, the leadership skills that he, that he exhibited, Shackleton, to keep, that, to keep the team alive. So that's deeply ingrained in me. Yeah. And having been in maritime and having been a ship's captain and, you know, been in the Navy, those are all things that, you know, you get driven by this sense of purpose. Yeah. And, and, and the term I always use, use is in taking care of everybody in the boat. Yeah. Everybody in that lifeboat with you. I have to check it out. I was in the Navy too. Oh. So, Thank yeah. you for your service. Oh, yeah, thank you. And then how can we help you out as a community? Well— one that I think would be fantastic, and I'd love to speak to it specifically as we launch it, is the the zero emission vehicle co-op that we're going to launch. We're going to launch at Central Co-op at the on Pearl Street. We're looking to do it first quarter of next year, and we will just be supporting role. We are not the owners of it. We're just something that we really care about, and um, being aware of that is uh, it, it would be a neat thing and having some support for that in the community. We're focused here in Tacoma because we just think it's a great place to launch. I mean, Tacoma's got all the key elements. Tacoma's got resources and location and at right the right attitude. And nice mean, people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the attitude, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Tacoma has such a can-do. It's almost, I mean, it sounds silly, kind of, pioneer spirit still down here it just really feels like it's grid city yeah, yeah we well, do things yeah, that way yeah. yeah i mean you go into seattle and you try to get a project launch it's just you're swimming through a lot and no offense seattle you're swimming <laughs> through a lot of red tape and red tape exists everywhere but there's like this inertia that can't be overcome mm-hmm. this concept of inertia inertia can hinder or help and Tacoma, the nurse just seems, feels like it's the winds blowing in your direction. <laughs> I like it. That's, uh, and the resources, you know, we have the port. We're right along major transportation corridors. We've got skilled, we've got skilled labor. We've got excellent learning institutions here. We've got tech schools. We have land and property. And uh, so the resources are there. And the location at the bottom, at the end of Puget Sound, and I already mentioned the rural Olympic Peninsula is an area that I really care about. Being situated where, if you just think of it strategically, being able to run up either side of Puget Sound without having to use the ferries, being able to run south towards Portland. Tacoma's just so ideally located for manufacturing and logistics and supply. We, we just, it's, an, it's ideal. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm glad that you, you're building your business here in our community, and uh, it'll be good for us. And how can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, they could uh, they could use they could email me. So my my first initial G, my last name is Dronkurt, 
That's D as in Delta, R-O-N-K-E-R-T, at pacific-mobility.com. And that's where you'll find the, the logos to our different businesses, and, and it will take you into those different businesses. That's the best, the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, we'd love to, you know, hear from anybody that's out there. We're certainly particularly interested in folks that are considering a career in uh, advanced technology. You find that there a lot of folks don't realize what automotive technology is becoming. They really think of it as a career track that might not hold their attention and not may not challenge them enough throughout the span of their career. But it's not that anymore. Advanced vehicle technology, it really is a thing. It will it will challenge uh, it will challenge any member of that uh, career group for for the for the foreseeable future. I just can't imagine that uh, that anybody who is either really interested in technology or really interested in vehicles wouldn't find a really rewarding career area. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. We're going to take a short break, and afterwards we'll talk to Nate about his incubator, and we'll also talk to Greg about his experience there. Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma, and I've been a customer of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid. Really, my parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big banking conglomerate. It was from TAPCO, and I still have that too. What I appreciate about TAPCO is that they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, TAPCO keeps its focus on just Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach locations in the Tacoma area, and when I don't want to drive, I just use online banking. And they still help parents teach their kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings, not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes like cupcakes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Nate and Greg. And Nate was a serial entrepreneur at one point. And he also lived in the Bay, worked on some startups down there. So he has some credibility behind his name. And now he's the director of the Maritime Innovation Incubator here in Tacoma. Welcome, Nate. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, Nate and I are friends, too. We met at a two five, Startup 253 event a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And uh, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah, we know each <laughs> other for a bit. It's been fun. Yeah. And you have some roots down here as well. Can you tell us more about your roots down here in Tacoma? Yeah, I mean, I'm especially from a business sense from Tacoma. Uh, my family business is actually located uh, on the Tide Flats. It's it's done now. My father's retired. It's really his business, not so much me. Um, but, you know, early on in my life, that's the first place I ever came and worked, you know, as a little teenager is down on the docks at the Tide Flats at Port of Tacoma, you know, helping doing accounting, helping doing, you know, whatever paperwork might be done that a, a little kid can do around a trucking <laughs> company or an import exporter or a warehouser. Definitely didn't get to drive the forklift. I really wanted to do that. <laughs> but apparently that's not okay for 12-year-olds to do. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's where I, I kind of got my 
start in understanding with this and everything I've learned, a lot of it derives from my father and all of the stuff that he's done in his life. So that's that's really a start for everything in my whole life. Nice. And now you're directing that incubator down here in Tacoma. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, the Tacoma Maritime Innovation Incubator. Um, so this was started... I mean, really over coffee with um, a representative named Pat Beard uh, for the city of Tacoma, their economic development office. And the two of us were just sitting and talking and saying how, boy, I really wish there were more resources, especially in the maritime, because that's that's where my family was. And that's what I'm you know, partial to. Two of my startups have been in the maritime industry. Uh, and I thought there's just not enough resources for people who are trying to grow down here. This is the perfect place, by the way. Tacoma, the Port of Tacoma, over a $3 billion economic engine for the area. It has the backing of all of the cities and the county and the area, all of these huge companies, all of this, everybody. I mean, we all agree that this is a major driving force for our area, for our economy, for everything like that. But we're not, we weren't taking that last step of saying, okay, but what if I don't have several million dollars to kind of get going in this. What if I don't have that? But I still want to be involved. So that's how we started this incubator. And we thought, let's find a place where we can do the little things. Just get rid of those nagging expenses so that you can get off the ground. I need a computer to work at. I need high-speed internet. I need access to some tools. I need a place that I can host a conference that's professional and looks good. I need access to the community and a network. I need to know where's some capital that I can get some from or what's an introduction to a bank because I don't even have a banking account yet. Mm -hmm. Um, All of these basic types of things are what we thought we could provide. Um, And it's evolved over time. A lot of this is actually due to our co-tenants. So the building we're in, the Center for Urban Waters, is owned by the city of Tacoma. City of Tacoma is a co-tenant with us, as is the University of Washington Tacoma. So right in that building, you have this little ecosystem of people doing cutting-edge research in maritime. A lot of that stuff is happening at University of Washington Tacoma right now in the building that I can, like, hit with a paper airplane from (laughs) where I sit. Um, You can come over to our area where we're commercializing this technology, doing taking all this research that they're hopefully doing, bring it over here. You know, you can have a student sitting next to a CEO, and hopefully they both learn something. And then you can go to the city. And the city, one of the best things about them is that they're just so creative in how they do things. So if you talk to them about things, a lot of people just don't take advantage of what the city of Tacoma has to offer. But we do. There is so much knowledge, so much experience. We need some help with how sewer systems work. We went downstairs one floor and talked to somebody (laughs) who knows inside and out how they work. And he was just willing to give us a little bit of that time. Um, There are people like that all over that work for the city that are in our building that a lot of the times are working because it's the Environmental Services Division around water, around maritime, around, you know, stormwater runoff, all of those types of things. So we have this little mini ecosystem that exists right where we are. Um, So it's evolved to be even more than we originally thought, where it can be just this kind of place to take some of the nagging expenses into a place where you can really like accidentally bump into a professor from UW who sees what you're whiteboarding and says, hey, have you ever thought about this? Mm -hmm. And then you run into the director of environmental services who's got just so much experience, knows everybody. Have you have you told Bill or have you told James about this or something like that? Somebody you didn't even know existed, but just because he walked by. Now, you know, and Mm -hmm. now you have an application and a path to follow. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And how do I, if I'm a small business, how do I apply to be part of that incubator? Yeah, it's just right online, maritimeblue.org slash Tacoma. If you just okay. go right to that, um, there's a little button that says apply. That's the one. Okay. Uh, if you want to email somebody, um, Tacoma at maritimeblue.org. 
ask any question that you want to do, um, including asking if you can come down and see it and meet some people, not during COVID. Give it a second. I don't know when this is going to come out, but yeah, give it a second. uh, Are there prereqs? Do you have to be serving a certain industry in order to be part of that incubator? Well, so the Maritime Innovation Incubator definitely uh, focuses on maritime. Mm -hmm. Uh, We treat that pretty broadly. Uh, If you look at... Um, actually, there's a, a video right on that website from Mayor Woodard from Tacoma who talked about that we do have some main things. We have a, a transportation and logistics kind of cluster that Greg is a part of here. Um, we have some folks focused on workforce development amongst the maritime industry and some focused on clean water. Uh, but if you have anything else that involves water in any way, we still want to talk to you. Um, the way you get in is you fill out the application and then there are a collection of community leaders that get together on a quarterly basis and decide who gets in. I don't make any of those decisions myself. That's mm-hmm. something that we purposefully did. We took the power away from the director to say who gets in and who doesn't get in. And we said, no, your job is to make sure that whoever we say gets in succeeds. I see. Um, so our community as a whole, and that involves State of Tacoma, Tacoma Power, University of Washington, Tacoma, some big companies like SSA, like Tote, um, the Port of Tacoma, all of these people um, – all community members, even uh, the Manufacturing and Industrial Council with Frank Boykin, are members of the steering committee and can help us decide on who gets in. So we decide um, based on who we think can most benefit our community. So you might actually have something that is a great company and it's going to succeed. You might not get in because it doesn't help Tacoma a whole lot or it doesn't mm-hmm. help Pierce County or it doesn't help the South Sound. If it's something that's perfect for the Bay – or for New York, well, that's probably the place that it should be built. Um, if it's something where it solves problems here in the South Sound community, yeah, we want to talk to you. Even if it actually doesn't have a great ability to help a bunch of other places, you know, maybe we can make some of the connects that you didn't think about when you're doing that. But it helps here. Yeah, those are who the people that we want to talk to. I see. And is there a fee? Nope. So it's Everything is paid free. for by us. Yep. Nice. Wow. And you get all those resources, such as high-speed internet. Do you get pencils? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I have pencils. A lot of pens, but uh, I don't know about okay, that. Yeah, okay. we'll have to see if we've got any actual graphite. That's awesome. So how is it funded? Uh, so we have a grant through the Economic Development Agency. We also have supporters in the community that have um, invested into it. Um, many of the large corporations have offered donations towards the advancement of this type of work. Um, so, you know, that's how it's funded for right now. I think going forward, um, we've got about the next two years covered right this second. We'll probably be going out and doing that same type of thing, talking to more people in the community and seeing if we can make sure that this lasts for a long, long time. Because um, helping some people is great, but helping people in perpetuity is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody, no matter who you are, whenever, you should be able to have this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so is it cohort-based type of incubator or is it constantly they keep coming back no we have rolling admissions so when folks get in um, they're admitted for a year and you can stay as long or as little as you want it's up to you there's no paperwork really that you have to sign if it if you grew too fast that's actually great for us and you said yeah we got to go get our own space no problem Um, go do that whenever you'd like and then we always have kind of rolling admissions so if we think we can find space for people um, every quarter we let in as many as we think we can let in Um, right now that number is quite small because of covid we're trying to keep things spread out um, and limit the amount of people that are in there hopefully once covid gets to a point where it's pretty under control. 
we can feel like, yeah, let's let a, a bunch more people in and let's really put a, some time into advertising and being out in the community, making sure everybody is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it's, you know, kept around six, seven companies. I see. And Greg, you're going through that incubator program. Can you tell us about your experience? Yeah, Stan, it, it's, a, it's a great program. It's very much along the lines that Nate was just describing. The, the, the cool thing about these things are that it really allows you, at least for me, someone like me who's maybe been, been in industry for longer than some of the other folks, is it helps me keep fresh on what's going on. And frankly, I think of folks like Nate as mentors, right? Now, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than Nate. But the fact is, is you can learn so much by the folks that are there, right? So for me, it's this idea of being able to hear new things, meet new people. I love that. It's nice to have the access to the resources, but for me, the real resource are the people and the things they're Mm -hmm. working on. So that's really exciting. And then as Nate mentioned, these direct contacts with key folks in the community, and we've the port has been fantastic. We've had them. They've visited a couple of times. They've yep. the port commissioners have, uh, and port employees really have taken a time that you wouldn't normally expect from someone that that's that busy. So they've really shown a high level of interest. Uh, the development director Pat has come down, and um, so yeah, we see it as a great resource as we formulate our growth strategy. We will better understand how we can integrate with all those resources. Our big goal is to create a manufacturing facility here in Tacoma to manufacture vehicles, not us as individuals, not our company. But we think that Tacoma has the ability to draw in manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And so we just think that's a good thing for the community. E-Fleet, for example, would, would perhaps service those vehicles Right, could provide techs for those vehicles, but the manufacturing would be a, would be a manufacturer stationing themselves here, positioning themselves in Tacoma, and having access to the incubator. We think really helps with that bigger mission. Mm-hmm. And so you're meeting about once a week, is that correct? For well, the incubator, the meeting stuff is is kind of as it comes. So there's no set program where if you go through, you know, you will learn A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, it's kind of done on a as-you-need things. So like today, today we will be at uh, Brown Family Vineyards and we're just going to do some wine tasting as a group for some of those things like Greg was talking about where you're just chatting with other founders. So there's other CEOs, other employees of startups that are just hanging out together, drinking some wine, and hopefully something cool comes out of it. I need to clear my schedule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see you're looking at your watch. No, I have some things going on, but... I wish I could join. Yeah, we've. I yeah, mean, it's that cool sounds like, like a lot that. of fun. Yeah, I might just sign up just to sign up. Yeah, just to hang out with you guys. <laughs> well, we always want people who can be around and can be part of those types of meetings, right? So not everything is we go out and we go wine tasting. Some of the stuff is we go out and like, uh, um, like Greg just brought up. We have some folks from the community who really can tell you what's going on. You know, when the port commissioners came down, a lot of what they did was they shared this this knowledge. And this is public knowledge. Like, you could read a lot about it. But there's something special that comes from hearing it from the folks who have designed these plans mouths themselves. Uh, and so, Greg, you were in some of those meetings where they just they told you, this is what we're trying to do. This is what the community is pushing for. And that's so useful because if you just take off on your own and you start building something that is, you know, completely off from what our community needs and where our community is pointing, 
you're probably not going to be successful. If you build something alongside initiatives that are already happening, if you take into account what our community is already focused on, we've already invested in, and you build next to it, and you say, okay, I like what you're doing. I can make it a little bit better with what I'm doing. That's that's just gold. So having those types of meetings, that's what we really want to have is those like meetings of the minds where you can hear from people themselves, this is what our area needs, and then you can build off of it. And, you know, hopefully have some fun in some other ones. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I really like that. And so, Nate, you've done a lot of startups, successful startups as well, and you're very tied in the business community. What advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, so the advice that I always give people as an entrepreneur is set a time to be done. Set a time for when you can say this doesn't work. Not every idea works. I've been involved with four startups myself. Two have uh, sold and had exits. Two have not. Two, they still exist, but not, uh, not at the level that I thought they were going to. Understand a time where it's time for you to get out, where it's time, you know, you're investing your own money. You're probably not taking much, if any, of a paycheck. Um, if you have a wife, a husband, a kid, a parent, a brother, a friend, you are probably taking time away from spending it with them to push this initiative that you're trying to make happen. All right, pick a time. Hold to it. Two years from now. Okay. Two years from today, if it doesn't work and I'm not at this number, something that's easily measurable, I will walk away. And that's how you make it easier with, like, so I'm, I'm married. That's what I do with my wife. I tell her, here's what I will do. I'm going to try it for this long. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. We'll try something else. Mm-hmm. But you, then she can feel confident that I'm not just going to perpetually flush all of our money down the toilet mm-hmm. because I just kept going at something hoping it would work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that. And what's your favorite restaurant in Tacoma? Uh, right now? Hmm. So I really like the pizza at the E9 um, over by UWT. Um, I also really like Wooden City, another place that actually does pizza, although that's not what I get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, both great spots. Yeah, excellent places to go. Yeah, and how can we get in touch with you? Uh, Tacoma at MaritimeBlue.org is the best way to do it. Um, just send me an email right direct to me. That goes right to me. Um, and I pretty much respond within a day or two at the absolute latest. Okay. Or you can find them at Wooden City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the winery. Yeah, or the winery today. <laughs> All right. Thank you both for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you next time on Give Me the Mic. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com membership and join. Thank you. Give Me the Mic is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.